and welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast, the Code of Ethical Conduct for Agile Coaching series. Today's episode features Dipti Jane and Jeff Ellingham, along with host Leslie Morse. Dipti crafts innovative learning and network experiences for her clients and community, helping them to achieve sustainable transformation and 360-degree growth. She brings a background of agile software and product development, operational excellence, and enterprise architecture. In 2015, Dipti founded Agile Virgin, and in 2018, she joined Agile Alliance as Initiative Director for India Agile Community. Jeff is a coach, facilitator, consultant, therapist, and international speaker on business agility with 30 years experience in strategy, leadership, management, delivery, and education in the public and private sectors. In this episode, host Leslie Morse chats to Depti and Jeff about Section 6 of the Code of Ethical Conduct, which is upholding social responsibility, diversity and inclusion. Thank you for tuning in to the Women in Agile podcast. We hope you enjoy this conversation with Depti and Jeff. Depti, Jeff, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, I'm so glad that uh, we got the time to have this conversation. The sixth commitment of the Agile Coaching Code of Ethics is one near to my heart because I was on the working team that really focused on, on this commitment, which is upholding social responsibility, diversity, and inclusion. I will seek opportunities to bring different voices to the conversation. I will take action to discourage and eliminate discrimination in any form. And I will strive to leave society better than I found it by my action or inaction. There's a lot of pieces to that. Yeah. And, and, you know, just before recording, we were having this conversation. And the very first thing that comes to my mind is COVID has really impacted it. We all thought that we were successfully working remotely. But let's uh, admit that Agile, as much as is very much respected to uh, the development teams. I mean, even though, you know, we are on the moon and India has also reached the moon. But that said, uh, the discrimination had always been there. So now the agile coaches uh, who probably felt that we're doing amazing job before COVID, I think the responsibility has grown now because there is so much of disconnect uh, we are not able to meet and talk. So this inclusion and diversity aim is again very much impacted. That's that's the initial thought that's coming to me. What do you think, Jeff? So I guess there's two things that come to me. The, the, the first is just to think back to that, to the group of, well, the group of white men that wrote that Agile Manifesto and just remind ourselves that the, the context that this thing that we do comes from um, was not very diverse at all. And that there has been a journey that we've been on to kind of drag ourselves um, into into a kind of, into a bigger world. Um, and that it's, you know, it's, this isn't, this isn't something that should be included, that needs to be included in an agile coaching ethics. It should be in any kind of ethical framework for anything. If it wasn't here, it would be crazy. So, so it feels like, of course, it has to be here. The question is, um, 
you know, what does it mean to be here and what are we actually doing? Yeah, when there's something interesting in, in what I think you were just saying, Jeff, around, that has been part of almost all the episodes I've recorded related to this Agile Coaching Code of Ethics, which is we're calling it an Agile Coaching Code of Ethics, and in a lot of ways it just should apply to Agile as a whole. So hopefully this is a higher calling to all of us, which is a great time to give the reminder of, you know, this is not a code of ethics for people who are called Agile Coaches, but anyone who is practicing agile coaching, you can do that regardless of your job title or anything like that. Scrum masters, product owners, leaders, you know, developers on teams, like anyone can take part in the activities of agile coaching. And if you do that, this is for you. So it's not just, it's not an exclusionary thing, which I guess is important to say when we talk about the, the commitment around diversity and inclusion. The, let's just take these, this commitment bullet by bullet and, and see what's really living and, and alive here. So that first one, I will seek opportunities to bring different voices to the conversation. Jeff, you alluded to the lack of this to some extent in the, the initial Agile Manifesto. What are the two of you seeing around diversity in terms of voices in today's modern Agile workforce? And what do we need to be doing to more bring this commitment alive? If so, you, uh, please, you go ahead, Jeff. So, 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 the, so, the, so the first thing I want to say is that as you know, getting ready for the podcast and I went back through the scenarios. And one of the things that's really interesting to me is if you get, if you look at the scenarios, they're all reactive. They're all about something happens and what do we do? And yet you look at the first bullet point and it isn't reactive. It's about, I will seek opportunities. Um, and, you know, I go back now and think we missed a trick with the scenarios. Where, where's, the, where's the proactive inviting voices part of this? Um, when, I'm, when I'm working with teams, my, my starting point typically when we're looking at the work and the kind of process part of things is visualize the work. Okay, that's, that's pretty much where I start. Um, over the last two years, I've been on a personal journey where my my husband got really ill and is now severely sight impaired and I, I realized for the first time that i don't i don't know where i start if i've got someone in my team who is visually impaired and i want to start with visualize the work where am i going now and i think that we have got we've we've got issues around neurodiversity that we've never really dealt with um, I think back to a team where I had someone who had autistic spectrum disorder and for whom to be in the kind of conversations that I, now I'm going to own it, I wanted was really, really difficult for him. Um, so I think that we have, I, I think the voices that we're talking about go way beyond our kind of more traditional um, sex, gender, sexuality, race. Um, disability we're talking about we're digging into the disability part in particular um, and that has to include things like neurodiversity so those feel to me like they're the they're the kind of the edge cases that we've barely scraped the surface of yet and that's kind of what I'm really interested in getting into I think yeah absolutely yeah no so I was actually also thinking about uh, on business agility line and which is again very much aligned to what uh, we are talking. 
there are different roles in the organization you already spoke about one which will be aligned to development of the product and uh, uh, another are you know sales marketing uh, there is a lot of even within the development team there is a lot of conflict between developers and the testers and the ux folks and so that is also still a challenge despite you know having agile manifesto uh, shared in 2001 that is also a major gap but what were you saying lastly well and i was just going to say it's like it's for me it feels like it's a reminder to have a higher calling towards what are new techniques and interventions we can use because we've we've kind of moved up the tiers of complexity in terms of the individuals and interactions over processes and tools. Like we pretty much have it figured out, like what processes and tools work well and don't work well as we approach agile ways of working, but there's, it's time to get more to the core of real interactions and, and what happens at the individual level. Um, and I think that's critical for bringing different voices. Like, you know, I think it's easy for us to rely on, Oh, you know, Maybe someone who hasn't spoken as often in this conversation, what do you have to offer? Like it used to be just we're looking for who's quiet, but yeah. not intentional diversity and in bringing that in to, to who's contributing and collaborating. Mm-hmm. The, the second one, um, again, and I'm, I'm noticing the action, not the reactive nature mm-hmm. of, of this point. I will take action to discourage and eliminate discrimination in any form. What does that one bring up for y'all? It is mostly the active. Yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, as soon as you will see any discrimination, there is, you know, you are angry, you are upset, you are shocked. How is it happening? So my concern always goes back to so-called every organization is an agile organization. And, but you look outside and you will see in the world, the conversation about lgbt plus or the disability is way more beyond you know the folks who are bringing that agile transformation or scaling agility and all of that right they are not dependent on us and i i mean when i say us i'm not talking about three of us or the agile coaches i'm talking about the entire agile fraternity who talks about inclusion and diversity we haven't been able to uh move things very much you know within the corporates we are still confined or very much aligned to development team and so uh, probably it is high time to look outside in the world what is happening how these change makers influencers are bringing shift in terms of inclusion and diversity and which is not there with us somewhere we are still you know uh, uh, reporting to management uh we're still not reaching to leadership yeah i mean that's what i feel i i think there's something for me here about the the way the world has changed since we wrote these words um i'm looking at some parts of the world i mean i'll pick america but i think you could pick a, a lot of the west where um some of what we assume some of the battles that we thought we'd we'd won within the wider society are being revisited now and i think that where um the 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 possibility of agile coaches getting pushback in trying to do what we would think of being the right thing in terms of um challenging discriminatory behaviors and so on it's going to get more and more challenging as, as these some of these kind of culture war stuff starts to really build up 
Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about how we support um, agile coaches who don't necessarily have as their, as their kind of background tool care, that kind of really deep relational kind of work. A lot of them are coming from tech backgrounds and have kind of evolved into the role. So I think that this is not an easy thing to do. I think understanding how to, how to challenge, so how do you pick your context? When is it right to respond in the moment versus come back one-to-one? Again, if we look at the scenarios, the scenarios are not in the moment responses. The scenarios are you kind of, something happens and you go, oh, okay, what do I do here? You go and you have a one-to-one conversation. And that's sometimes the right thing to do. Um, but there is an in the moment thing that is happening in you. It's happening in the person who, you know, if there are people in the group who are having a reaction, that's happening internally. And if you just leave that, um, then there's something that happens in the dynamic that can be negative. If you challenge in the moment, that can have negative effects. So I think that that this is a real skill um, that the agile coaches have to evolve. And I suspect it's getting more difficult in some of the contexts that we're working in now. So I think there's some there's some real learning that that has to happen here. Yeah, there's there's an interplay for me of uh, this social responsibility, diversity and inclusion commitment with the eighth eighth commitment around managing differences in status and power mm-hmm. where mo- there, the discrimination, I believe many of us see most often in the workplace is the marginalizing of mm-hmm. people because of their title or their role or their position, lack of positional authority in the company. Like you're not good enough to come have a seat at the table for this conversation. Yes. And, and that is only another reflection of how we do that in our overall society and culture for other dimensions of discrimination and and injustice. Um, And so it is, I I agree with, with, with Jeff around the fabric of society is changing under our feet and in between us as we go. And that is only going to exacerbate some of these challenges uh, and it's an important thing to be focusing on. And thinking about power dynamics, the agile coach is part of the power dynamics and quite often is not someone with huge positional power. Um, and so that, again, that makes things challenging. It's all very well for those of us that have been around for a long time, um, who have been appointed by kind of the senior people in the organization to kind of go, I can come in and I can challenge because yeah, okay, it's easy for me. But actually, if you're an agile coach who's come um, from a different place, and if you're an agile coach who's maybe experienced your own marginalization and so on, then again, this is a really different thing to be asking people to do, uh, especially to be asking to do without the kind of support that's needed. Yeah, there, There's a lens on this one, Deepti, and maybe you can comment on this. It's, it's not quite as alive for me on the first commitment, but the second one around discouraging and eliminating discrimination how you show up if you're doing agile coaching as a full-time employee in an organization mm-hmm. versus doing agile coaching if you've been hired from the outside to come in and spend some number of months with a group. How, does, how might this aspect of the commitment show up differently depending on which side of that you're in? I think the very distinct uh, quality an internal coach, I mean, you know, somebody who is hired and been in system shows is by this, you know, person knows the system. Whereas an external person brings a lot of experience from outside world and, you know, quick wins. 
and so this external consultant can bring in quick wins but the very first thing that they should be doing is not acting as i am the expert and i know and which happens with consultant because as compared to the internal coach they bring in more authority they are given that authority that bring in that change so it's your job so now tell us what do you need wherein that doesn't happen so the discrimination automatically starts happening between internal and external coach and it reflects in their behavior and how they have to execute because both have same target yet they have different power different authorities also they bring different uh, you know um, experiences if you have been internally for a long time you just have you know one environment to play around and one context wherein when you come from outside that's those three major things i feel uh, happens yeah anything to add jeff no i i i mean i think that's right i think the 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 power is different the there is an opportunity when you come in as an external um and a responsibility uh, that you, i think you carry uh i think internal coaches are always going to be part of the organization have to live in that organization have have a kind of rich tapestry of relationships which can have you know they have pros and cons that come with them um but yeah it's it's such a different thing and we you know a lot of the people who wrote these words were external coaches primarily and i think that we we were all we all knew that that was true but whether we captured the the challenge of an internal coach i have no idea we'd have to ask them yeah there's something that feels inherently riskier about it mm-hmm. in being sure. that disruptor and that call for truth and action and things like that it it does feel feel riskier. I was uh, pleased that a few months ago um, at the Women in Agile conference, part of the Agile Alliance event in in Orlando, we took the topic of anti-racism head on um, Mm -hmm. in a very charged political climate around that topic. And our our keynote speaker has got a a book getting ready to come out um, uh, called From Ally to Accomplice, and and the the tagline on it is How to Lead as a Fierce Anti-Racist. And the thing that I really appreciate about the book is that even even if you took the lens of racism off of it, which is contrary to the entire book because it says put race at the center of every decision-making that you're doing, she has a really lovely way of giving people tips and suggestions of how to have that in the moment interaction. Like Jeff was saying, like, this didn't feel right to me. I saw that happen and that wasn't okay. How do you start actually being an accomplice in the moment? Right. Versus an ally might be the person that Mm -hmm. goes to you afterwards and be like, I I saw what happened. That wasn't cool. But that doesn't actually move us to incrementally towards a better place and greater awareness for all of us. And I think that is the the inherent inner agilist in all of us. What is the smallest, tiniest thing we could say to address the discrimination that's happening here in the moment? Whether it be the language choice or who was or wasn't invited to a meeting, like whatever it may be, just the littlest thing you could say um, over time has a larger impact. Yeah, I think that's right. Interactions, interactions is, was always too small a word in that, in that first bullet. What we're really talking about here is relationships um, and relation and and webs of relationships. And And I, um, And to add to that, I also feel transparency is very important. 
majority of my success with my work is only because of transparency i'll be honest i think i am a reactive person uh, personally and so what has always uh, worked for me is keeping everything transparent and so you know it automatically explains me a lot and it automatically shows where the bug stops and you know so a lot of discrimination goes away a lot of uh, complications go away dependencies go away so and, and and it enables interaction that you know here is what is happening so why is this party not helping or uh, why is this leader not you know allowing so and so happen so i think that also helps a lot and with many organizations where things haven't worked out is only because you know the decision makers were a bunch of people and they were doing something behind and it was very frustrating yeah, yeah. making it transparent cuz like once you see it you can't unsee it yeah and then you have that personal ethical and integrity choice to make yeah i see this now am i going to allow it to persist or am i going to be part of making the world a better place which is that last commitment right i will strive to leave society better than i found it by my action or inaction right and that forces you to look at me not doing something is actually a deliberate choice what you know even though a lot of times we don't want to have to face that reality What do you all see is this next frontier of leaving society better than we found it as it pertains to the work of agile coaching? Jeff, you want to go ahead? <laughs> so, yeah, so I I guess the 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 thing for me is um it it goes beyond so so the the why are we here with with a team um so my intention is always to to help teams and people within teams to uncover value and meaning okay so the the the, the my work as an agile coach is not about delivering a product it's not about an organizational objective um for me it's about helping the team to uncover value and meaning and my experience is that by focusing on value and meaning and that and making that personal and enabling individuals in teams to really work that out for themselves um that's what unlocks the kinds of challenges internally within organizations it helps people to kind of think about why am i here what am i doing um and if there is a misalignment between the the value and meaning of the of the people in the team and the organization my <laughs> what i want to happen is not to somehow fit the people into the organizational objectives what i want to do is uncover that difference and so my experience is that's where i can add value um to what's happening in an organization is to is to make that make those misalignments alive and then enable the teams to work out okay so now what do we do if we notice a misalignment um so i don't have a direct response to that i have a kind of indirect this is what i'm doing at a, at a, in the knitting level and i trust that that will then work out yeah yeah and i i feel that uh, um some actually this one point had been there in my head constantly i work with community a lot so you know working with different people different communities actually bring you a lot of knowledge a lot of perspective a lot of awareness i think so the community of practices in the organizations also help a lot 
and uh, that cross pollination is very important it is only then uh, we become aware of our differences our unconscious biases and be able to work on them so organizations constantly need to work on them and i think i mean if we talk about agile coaches this becomes a huge responsibility uh, you know for all of them and that's how they can actually leave this world better uh, another aspect which was constantly coming uh, these two were like you know juggling and there is working with the younger generation they are no more in the sir conversation sir hi how are you right they are yo jeff this is my opinion you're cool dude <laughs> so yeah and it is such a shock working with them they are into you know their own head and which is not bad they are actually the rock stars you know going back to uh, rolling stone and going back to you know uh, even elvis presley era so i'm saying that uh, these kids are amazing if you don't give them opportunity they are going to go out and create this opportunity now we don't have just handful of steve jobs and bill gates and you know the uh, silicon valley now we have them everywhere so my whole point is uh, uh, if we want to leave this world as a you know a better place a better tomorrow we need to learn how to behave with the younger generation we need to learn to work as equals with them and which is missing i mean we go back you know to the generation uh, with us behind i mean you know prior to us they are all in this sir conversation i call it sir conversation so they are in this sir conversation i'm i'm senior respect me ask me no work with them you know coming back to the collaboration coming back to the uh whole equality inclusion part yeah i i think i'm glad this dimension like ageism mm. is something that is like we we've dropped a bunch of the different dimensions of you know in all the aspects of intersectionality that can show up in terms of discrimination and and lack of inclusion and ageism i think is a really important one for us to to talk about and i i see how i show up sometimes in a discriminatory way here cuz it's like people who have been le- have built their careers leading in an industrialized world like we just need them to go to greener pastures the sooner they can all <laughs> retire the sooner the next generation of leadership can come in and and that's that's unacceptable right yeah. it's like how do we meet people where they are how do we help invite different ways of of viewing the world because that is the type of social fabric that will bind us and allow us to address the complexity and uncertainty in this ever changing world we're living in um and it gives us the hope for making the world just a little bit of a better place yeah yeah and i, I I think it's a, a, a way that um, that a lot of teams can learn from the kind of younger people who are coming in is the the kind of emotional intelligence and the language that young people have around relationships and around mm-hmm. and a lot and and around actually kind of issues around equality and diversity. Um, if we can kind of help to 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 let that that kind of language and those skills bubble up through the teams, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot the the. Uh, the most older people in teams can learn from younger people around yeah. that kind of emotional intelligence and language yeah. the rich experience and the curiosity and yeah. bridging mm. that they helping them you know yep. kind of thing and both yeah. the parties need different kind of helps yeah agreed 
Well, listen, we have come to the end of our time together. Final thoughts, final wisdom. What do each of you want to share as we wrap up? I feel there is a lot of work that's needed to be done. And uh, a lot can be achieved if the work is done with communities, uh, you know, open initiatives. I'll stop there. Over to you, Jen. I, I think I, w- I, I would I would like to see the that this this move from from starting from a reactive place to to getting into a much more organic, active, proactive role. Um, and I think that that there's some support that agile coaches will need if they're really going to do that. It's not it's not easy. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. And hopefully these episodes will help people begin having the conversations within their mm-hmm. communities where they're talking about and engaging in agile coaching day in and day out. Deep D, Jeff, thank you so much for being with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this Women in Agile podcast episode. Find more inspiring conversations by visiting womeninagile.org slash podcast, checking out the podcast series on iTunes, or visiting your podcast application of choice. If you have an idea for a topic, speaker, or feedback on an episode, please reach out to us via email through podcast at womeninagile.org.